old hymns, Marching to Zion, and I'm Bound for the Promised Land. You sing stuff like that, and it just gets gooder and gooder all the time, doesn't it? Yeah, thank you, choir, for sharing with us tonight. It's a rare thing to hear a choir anymore, honestly. It's kind of becoming a thing of the past, unfortunately. So a lot of churches, you don't hear a choir on a Sunday morning, let alone a Sunday night. And what a powerful song that they brought to us this evening. When I walked in, I heard them practicing, and I thought to myself, I just can't wait to hear them sing that song. I was liking what I was hearing and had no idea I'd get to hear it tonight, and I really liked that. It had the Baptist bop in it, didn't it? I kind of found myself going like this just a little bit. You won't kick me out for that, will you? Open up your Bibles if you have them with you tonight to uh, the book of Acts. And let me encourage you to keep your Bibles open because we're going to look at a few different passages in the book of Acts. But we'll start in Acts chapter 4. You'll uh, get to know my preaching uh, more and more as we share this time together. But typically... As you've heard me do in the past, I sort of anchor into one passage of Scripture, basically a paragraph of Scripture, and and try to uh, mind that for what it's worth, and don't do a lot of skipping around. But tonight, I want us to look at an interesting character in the book of Acts, and we first meet him in Acts chapter 4. So just a moment, we're going to read verses 36 and 37, but again, I encourage you to just keep your Bibles open because after we've looked at this passage a little later, we'll turn to Acts chapter 9 and then to Acts chapter 15, but I'll make sure that you have plenty of time to find all of these texts with me as we think about being an encourager. I want to talk to you about how to be an encourager And we see the greatest encourager, I believe, in all of Scripture introduced to us here in Acts chapter 4. So let's read verses 36 and 37 before we pray together. If you wouldn't, you're able, would you stand with me as we honor the reading of the Lord's Word? Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 36, the Bible says, And Joseph, which is Joseph who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas. In other words, Joseph got the nickname Barnabas. So Joseph, nicknamed by the apostles Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation. Another interpretation or translation of that word consolation would simply be encouragement. So he's the son of of encouragement, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought it or brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your blessing on your word. Thank you, Father, that many years ago you inspired men of old to write your word And so it bears with it the breath of the Holy Spirit. And so it's true, it's without error, 
And Father, it's always up to date. And thank you, Father, that you have a word for us tonight, an encouragement to be encouragers. I pray, Father, tonight we would just make that, Lord, a commitment that we would leave this place in a few moments, living our lives to encourage others. I pray and I ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and amen. Would you be seated, please? How to be an encourager. Let me ask you, have you ever seen someone exercise his or her gift that God had given him or her, and not in a jealous spirit, but in a righteous spirit, just sort of said within yourself, I wish I could do that. Have you ever been there? Have you ever heard a preacher preach? And maybe you said in your heart, I wish I could bring out the word of God like that man does. Or maybe a Sunday school teacher. You ever heard a teacher teach a class and it was engaging through the whole lesson and maybe you thought to yourself, I wish I could teach like that. Or one of these skilled persons at these instruments and heard someone play and just said, I wish I had taken piano a little more seriously so that I could bless others that way. Or a great singer, maybe you've heard somebody sing and you thought, if I could just sing like him or like her. Well, there are those gifts that God gives people in the body of Christ that are very public gifts, and they're given for edification or for the building up of the body. And we're thankful for those gifts. But there's something that each and every one of us could be that might be even more important than exercising a public gift. And you don't necessarily have to be gifted to do what I'm talking about. You just simply have to engage it. You just have to do it. You might have to polish it a little bit and work at it, but every person in the room tonight has the potential to be an encourager. How many of you know that we need in the body of Christ encouragers? I want to challenge you from the outset of my ministry with you as interim pastor uh, to encourage one another. And I don't think I need to push you very much there because I sense that. I sense a wonderful spirit here within the body of Christ and a lot of mutual encouragement. But I want to encourage you to do even more. Let me put it this way. I want to encourage you to outdo one another in the area of encouragement because there's so much discouragement around us. You know that, don't you? I would challenge you sometime to take out just a blank piece of notebook paper and and put a line right down the middle and form two columns. And in one column... Write down all the people in your life that have really discouraged you. I promise you, you could write name after name after name. For some of you, maybe you had a parent that was more of a discourager than an encourager. 
Well, I'm thankful. Let me just stop there because some of you uh, knew my father very well and you know my mama. I, I am so thankful that I grew up in a home of encouragers. You know, mom and dad always encouraged my sister and I from the time we didn't even know what they were doing to be the best that we could be. And they were always there for us and encouraged us to even try to uh, excel beyond ourselves. And so I'm thankful that my parents were encouragers, but I've had a lot of friends and I've known a lot of people who would say that when they went home, their parents always discouraged them. How sad would that be? But maybe for some of you on that column of discouragers, it could be a parent, maybe a sibling, I hope not a spouse, but maybe it is in your life. What I'm trying to tell you is if you begin to formulate that column and then on the other side begin to write down the names of people in your life that were constant encouragers, I would almost guarantee you that that list of discouragers would outweigh the list of encouragers. And how sad that is. How very sad it is that we live in a world of constant discouragement. But let me say this, that should never, ever be the case in the body of Christ. When we come together with the people of God, we ought to meet up with one encourager right after the other. And that's why I wanted to take you to this man by the name of Barnabas. Well, really his given name was Joseph. That's what his parents named him. But he lived a life that, that was so encouraging that he got a nickname. Now, does anybody in the room tonight have a nickname? Um, I, I would tell you my nickname, but I'm afraid that you would use it. All right, I'll tell you. Mamma and Papa gave me the nickname when I was a little boy of Pujo. Now, forget that I told you that. I don't want anybody coming up to me and saying, Brother Pujo, how you doing? No, I don't. Honestly, I don't care. But that's what Mamma and Papa named me all those years ago. That was their nickname for me. And among my family, again, not many people until tonight, outside of my family really knew that. But a lot of my family to this day would call me that. I had an uncle. I preached his funeral several years ago now. And his name was Forrest. But I want you to get this. When he was a little boy, someone tagged him with the nickname of Pig. You know, I asked him one time. We were sitting uh, among other family members at a kind of a family get-together. And I asked him, I said, do you really like that? And he said, well, what do you think? <laughs> and so I did my best to, to not call him by his nickname from that point forward. In fact, when I preached his funeral, I always referred to him in the service as Forrest. But nicknames come and go. Some nicknames are, are really, really good. I have a dear friend whose name is William, but nobody hardly knows that unless they know him really well because everybody calls him Rusty, and if you saw Rusty and looked at his hair, you would know why everybody refers to him as Rusty. And so there are 
some really good nicknames that are out there, but there's no better nickname than what you find here in Acts chapter 4 where the apostles took this man Joseph and gave him the nickname Barnabas. And again, Scripture tells us why they did that because that word, that name Barnabas literally means encourager or one who consoles the the encourager. So when you think about Barnabas, he's really the poster child in Scripture for encouragement. And we're going to take a look at not only this passage, but a couple of more in the book of Acts. And we'll discover together tonight how Barnabas earned his nickname. And this is a nickname, again, that I want each and every one of us to try to earn, this nickname of being an encourager. The first thing you're going to notice about Barnabas is that he earns his nickname because he gave of himself to bless others. So if you want to be an encourager, it starts by being a giver, one who gives of himself or herself in order to bless other people. And we find that right away where we first meet Barnabas here in Acts chapter 4. Now, before we talk about what Barnabas does here, let's be reminded of the context of this. What's going on here in Acts chapter 4? Well, we're not very far removed, are we, from Pentecost. You remember what happens at Pentecost? Nod your head like this. Make sure you're with me. At Pentecost, God the Holy Spirit comes down and He... uh, puts himself literally, uh, the apostles and the early believers are empowered by God the Holy Spirit as he comes down into their lives. And Peter, empowered and inspired by the Holy Spirit, he goes out into the crowded streets of Jerusalem there at Pentecost and he preaches a gospel message. And the Bible tells us that So great was the response to his message that 3,000 people were saved. You read about it again in Acts chapter 2. So can you imagine the church being born and at the very moment of its birth, when it comes into existence, it is what we would call a mega church. 3,000 people being saved and baptized, and when you read the latter part of the chapter there in Acts chapter 2, Scripture says that people continued to be added to the church, those who were being saved daily. And so they start at Pentecost, 3,000 saved and baptized. The Lord continues to add to the church, and here you have this massive group of people that are meeting at all different times throughout the week. Remember, they didn't have a church building like you and I have here at Bible Baptist tonight. And so they were meeting at times in the temple. They were meeting in homes. They were meeting wherever they could find a place for a few of them to gather at a time. And they had all kinds of needs. Remember that Jewish, God-fearing people from all over the Roman Empire would have come into Jerusalem at Pentecost 
for that great celebration. And so they come there, they hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus, they're saved, they become a part of the church. There's over 3,000 people, and many of them had given up their livelihoods. Some have been castigated from their families, and all of a sudden you have a big group of people, and they have a lot of needs. And God always meets the need of His church. We can talk the rest of the night about how God graciously meets the need of His church. Uh, Listen, let me just say this. I have never seen a church that was walking with the Lord, laboring for the Lord, doing God's will, that didn't see their needs met. Just never seen that. Isn't God so good to us? And so you, you had this huge mega church, the first church in Jerusalem, and they had needs. And so Scripture tells us that people would take whatever they had. If they had something of some value, if they had uh, a piece of land, if they had uh, something tangible that they could take and sell and liquidate that and turn it into assets for the betterment of the people of God, that's exactly what they did. And notice that Barnabas evidently had a really nice piece of land because it gets a mention here in Acts chapter 4. And Scripture says that having land there in 4 verse 37, having it, he sold it and he brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. I want you to get that picture. You have a large church and a lot of people with a lot of needs And here's Barnabas, he takes what he has. He sells it, brings in the proceeds, and he says, here it is, pastors. You know, the apostles essentially functioned as pastors of that great big New Testament church there in Jerusalem. He lays it at their feet, and then they could take that and help those in the congregation who were needy. Now that's encouragement, isn't it? To take what you have and give it to bless somebody else. I want you to listen to me carefully. I'm not saying to you tonight that you have to have money to be an encourager. Now we're thankful for those who have resources and encourage other people with their resources. But listen to me, we all have something. A person who's down and out tonight may not need your money, but they might just need a note in the mail. Somebody who's sick, it may not be that he or she needs your money, but they need your prayer. Someone who's hurting, that's gone through a difficult time in life, it might not be that that they need anything tangible from you, but they might just need a shoulder to lean on, and a sympathetic ear. You see, God can take whatever you have to offer and He can use it to bless other people. And that's how you become an encourager. Take what you have to bless other people and just encourage them. Everybody needs some encouragement. John Wooden was 
the great basketball coach at UCLA. And we don't like to admit it here in Kentucky, but he's probably, up until Mike Krzyzewski, is probably the best, uh, simply because he, he won more titles than anybody else, right? More than Rupp. I hate to say it, but he did. And so he was a, he was a fantastic basketball coach. He got away with a little something back in, what was that, 1976? But we'll, we'll forgive him for that. But listen to what Wooden always did. Every time they began to practice for the new season coming on, he would end practice, the first practice, and he would look his boys in the eye and he would say, Boys, now when we start playing games and you score a goal, more than likely you're going to score that goal because somebody assisted you. Somebody threw you the ball. Somebody made the pass. Maybe somebody else stole the ball and you were out ahead of them. They lobbed it to you down the court. Bottom line is when you score because somebody else has helped you to score, here's what I want you to do. After you've scored, I want you to point to that person. Point that person out. You know, clap at the person who passed you to the ball or take both fingers and point out whoever passed you the ball. And one of the freshman boys one time asked him this question. Well, Coach Wooden, what if I score and the person assisted me is not looking when I point him out? And Coach just stopped him and said this. Boy, I promise you he'll always be looking. And that's the way it is in life. Hear me again. There is so much discouragement around us and people everywhere, not even just here in the body of Christ, but students, when you go to school tomorrow, there will be other young people there who need encouragement. When you go to work tomorrow, there will be somebody there who needs encouragement. When you go out and eat in a restaurant, there will be a server who needs encouragement. And I'm saying to you tonight, that person's always there and he or she is always looking. So just simply give of yourself to bless another. Now, I told you to keep your Bible open. I want you to see one of the next times where we see Barnabas and it's over in Acts chapter 9. Look at Acts chapter 9. In just a moment, I'm going to read verses 26 down through the end of verse 27. And here's the second point that I want you to learn with me tonight. If we're going to be encouragers, not only do we give of ourselves to bless other people, but we also break down barriers that form between others. Now this gets really interesting here. And I want you to watch this with me. Notice in verse 26 of Acts chapter 9, Scripture says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem. Now stop there for a moment. That's the Saul we're talking about. He hadn't earned his new name Paul quite yet. People didn't call him that. They were still referring to him as Saul. So I want you to get the picture. Here is that same church in Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, this man who had persecuted them, 
For many of them, the last time they saw Saul, there he was when their brother Stephen was stoned. You remember the story, right? Stephen was stoned, and Scripture tells us, as Stephen was martyred for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, Saul was standing right there giving his approval. But Saul changes on the Damascus Road. You know the story? God got a hold of him and radically and totally changed him. He's saved now. He's called to be a preacher, a missionary, a theologian, and he's coming back to Jerusalem trying to join the church. And so the Bible says, when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed himself or he essayed to join himself to the disciples. In other words, he was trying to meet with the church. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. So you can just kind of see the scenario play out in your mind's eye. Here's the church. They're meeting. They're worshiping together. They're singing songs of their faith. They're hearing one of the apostles proclaim the message of Jesus. And all of a sudden, in walks Saul. And I guarantee you, every eye turned. And everybody was thinking, if they weren't saying it, what has this man come to do to us tonight? And so he's trying to join the church, but they're not believing that he's now a disciple. Look at verse 27, first two words, but Barnabas. The encourager steps in. Do you see it? But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly in Damascus in the name of Jesus. They didn't want anything to do with this man who had given approval to the stoning of Stephen and who had persecuted their other brothers and sisters in the church. But the encourager comes on the scenes, and he takes Saul by the hand, and he takes the other disciples by the other hand and he beats down the barrier and he brings the two together. That's what an encourager does. Whenever there are barriers to fellowship that crop up, the encourager is the one who will break down those barriers and bring the two together. Can I tell you tonight that I love us Baptists. I love us. I really do. I'm Baptist to the bone. I mean, that's just who I am. But listen to me, sometimes in our churches, and we don't mean to be this way, but sometimes in our churches, we can get a little cliquish. We can get into our little groups. And sometimes when a new person tries to enter the fellowship, they have a hard time doing so. Let me encourage you. When you have guests that come to Bible Baptist Church and they want to fellowship with you, they want to worship with you, do everything you can do to make that person feel welcome. If you have to give up your seat for that person to have a seat, 
Absolutely do that. And I know I'm looking out over a good crowd of people who would do just that. But sometimes we just need to remind ourselves that it's hard. It's often very hard to come into a new group. My, how we need encouragers that will bring down the barriers and bring people in. Several years ago, when I took my position with the Kentucky Baptist Convention and we moved from Lexington down to Somerset, that was sweet to me. I was going back to, to our family hometown. But, but my boys had grown up in Fayette County. And my oldest one at the time uh, had just finished elementary school and he was going into that awkward middle school age. Middle schoolers are crazy people. They just are. If you're in middle school now, I love you. I, I really do. And you may not be the crazy person, but you go to school with crazy people, I promise. And so we, we were concerned about that. Because, again, he, he had gone to one elementary school his whole time, and, and we were moving him from the city sort of down to a more country kind of place, and we were just worried about how he'd be accepted. And so we moved early that summer so that the boys could get acclimated to a new place before the school year started, and we dreaded it all summer long, you know, uh, he's left his good friends up in Lexington. He's come down here. How's that going to go for him? You know how parents worry about those things. And sure enough, it came time for the summer to be over and school was going to start in the next week, and it was middle school orientation. And so there we are, you know, the new family in the room, although I knew a lot of the adults there. But there's my son. Uh, the new sixth grader in the room, and we walk into the room that night, and, and it was just exactly the way we thought it was going to be. I mean, there was our sixth grade boy, and over in the other side of the room was everybody else. There he was. There was everybody else. They were giggling and laughing and exchanging stories about the summer and all the things that kids do when they come to orientation. So there they were, and there was our boy. And then something happened that completely changed that. One boy left the group and walked over to our Alistair and reached out his hand and said, my name's John, what's your name? Alistair told him his name. John says, well, here's some things I like, what do you like? Alistair told him that, and they hit it off immediately, and then all of a sudden, John puts his arm on Alistair's shoulder and says, come on, Alistair, I want you to get to know the gang tonight. And so all of a sudden, the barrier came down, and the new kid was accepted because one little boy had been trained right. Some mama had been in the little boy's ear and said, you need to get over, you know? And he did it. But the point is, 
Sometimes it just takes one Barnabas. Just takes one encourager that will step away from the familiar and go over to the person that's needing a little bit of help and bring that person into the fold. And my friend, that's exactly what Barnabas did for the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine that? The man who would go on to to write the majority of the New Testament, you and I read tonight, the man who would be the first great missionary, the man who would be the first great theologian of the church, he was accepted into the fellowship because an encourager left the crowd, came over and got him, broke down the barrier, and brought him in. I want you to know, my friend, you can be that kind of encourager. When you see somebody that's being left out, be the one who brings them into the group. If you see somebody that's being excluded, don't let that go on. Reach out. Be the encourager that God wants you to be. Let me show you one more. If you want to be an encourager, not only do you break down barriers that form between others, but flip with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, and while you're flipping there, let me give you this one. If you want to be an encourager, help others when they've fallen. If you want to be an encourager, be that person to help your brother or sister when he or she has fallen. Now I want you to watch what happens here. Acts chapter 15 We're going to read verse 36 down through verse 40. Notice the Bible says, And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them because he had departed from them from Pamphylia and went out or went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the brethren into the grace of God. Now you need to understand the background of this. Paul and Barnabas are about to go out on their next missionary journey. God had put it in the heart of Paul for he and Barnabas to go out and and to bless and to teach in the churches that had been organized when they were out before. And so Barnabas always looking to be an encourager, says to Paul, well, let's take John Mark with us. Let's take Mark with us. And Paul didn't like that. Now, I want you to think about this. Don't don't forget. Don't miss this. Don't forget that it wasn't all that long ago when Paul was trying to join the church at Jerusalem that nobody wanted him But Barnabas brought him in, and now here's Mark 
And because Mark had gone with Barnabas and Paul on the, the former missionary journey, but for some reason, somehow, some way, according to chapter 13, John Mark left them. Now, we don't know why. Maybe he's homesick. Maybe he just couldn't keep up the pace. Who knows why? But in that first missionary journey, he turns back and he goes home. And guess who didn't like it? Paul. So there's John Mark, and he probably feels what he did. And Barnabas is saying, let's, let's give him a do-over. Let's bring him with us. And Paul had to be a Baptist because he sets his foot down and he stiffens his neck and he says, I ain't going to have it. Well, there's a division that forms. But God superintended it and God blessed it. And so you see that Paul and Silas go and then there's another team that forms and that new team is Barnabas and Mark. Here's the bottom line. Mark had messed up. John Mark had fallen. But Barnabas, being the encourager, lifts up the fallen and he knows that there's more for him to do. How many of you are thankful tonight that failure is not final with the Lord? Has the Lord ever given you a second chance? Hey, let alone a second chance. I've had all kinds of chances with the Lord. And He, in spite of me, with all my fumbles and falls and misgivings, God continues to lift me up and to dust me off and to try to use me. And he does it often through the other people who are in my life. I'm so thankful that God is a God of grace and forgiveness. And beloved, if God is a God of grace and forgiveness, we should be too. And when somebody's made a mistake, when somebody has tried to do something and it backfired on them, didn't work well and they're feeling about as low as a snake's belly, we need to be the encouragers that get around them and pick them up and help them learn that there's still more for them to do. And here's what I want you to see with me as we close tonight. We need to do it because often it comes completely full circle. Let me show you what happens here. So Barnabas the encourager lifts up John Mark and he takes him on that missionary journey and that's the chance that John Mark needed because God would get a hold of that and John Mark would become a courageous warrior for the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark... Luke and John, this John Mark that we're talking about tonight goes by the surname Mark. He is the Mark who is the evangelist 
under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit who, who writes the Gospel of Mark. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we call the similar Gospels or the synoptic Gospels. And the oldest Gospel we have, do you know what it is? It's not Matthew. I know that's the New Testament order. But the oldest written Gospel we have in the New Testament is the Gospel of Mark. And a lot of New Testament scholars really believe that it's the memories of Peter that he told Mark, and Mark wrote them down in the gospel. But Mark's the first, and we call Matthew, Mark, and Luke the synoptic or the similar gospels because what Matthew would do and what Luke would do was they would take Mark's gospel, very short gospel, use it as sort of an outline, and then add their recollections and their memories about Jesus, and now all of a sudden we have three Gospels, and John comes along and adds the fourth. And so that whole Gospel enterprise, don't miss this, gets started because Barnabas reaches down and he pulls a young man back up on his feet. And ultimately, John Mark pins the Gospel of Mark, but it doesn't stop there. You don't have to turn. You might want to make a note of it, but just listen. Second Timothy is, is the last letter from the Apostle Paul. Paul's in prison, and he's about to be beheaded. He's about to lose his life for the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the last chapter, you know these verses, verses 7 and 8. Paul writes and he says, I've fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not only to me, but unto all them also that love his appearing Beautiful words, aren't those? From the pen of the Apostle Paul, just days before he dies. But I want you to listen to the next couple of verses. He's writing to Timothy, in verse 9 he says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved the present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens, to Galatia, Titus, Unto Dalmatia, verse 11, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. You hear that? Paul, at the end of his life, writing to Timothy, it says, Timothy, I need you, buddy. Come to me very quickly. And when you come, make sure you bring Mark. Mark, the one who had fallen, the one who Barnabas picked up, the one who was restored, the one who wrote the gospel, the one who at one time Paul wanted to keep at arm's length. Now Paul says what? Timothy, come to me and bring Mark.
All because there was a Barnabas. There was an encourager who was not content to stay and just see a young man on the ground. But he goes, he lifts him up, he's restored, and God uses Mark in a remarkable way. Don't we need encouragers? Now let me ask you, can't you be an encourager? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Think of somebody tonight. Maybe the very best way you could be an encourager this week is to be thinking about those that you've not seen. I suppose Bible Baptist Church is like a lot of other churches. There are people that we lost during COVID that have never been back. You know, we've seen that. Maybe God is using this message tonight to challenge us to encourage one of those. Just simply make a call this week. Don't berate them. They don't need that. But just tell them how you miss them, how you love them, how you'd love to see them back. Maybe there's somebody that's hurting tonight that just needs you to offer a prayer for him or for her. Maybe it's somebody tonight that is terribly down and out. Life's been hard. They need you to offer a word of encouragement. Maybe you know somebody who's like a mark that's made a mistake and they've fallen and God's calling you just to go over and reach reach out and help that person back up on his or her spiritual legs. We all need encouragement and we can everyone be an encourager. Stand with me. I want to pray for you and then uh, we'll sing a, a verse or so of hymn of invitation tonight. Uh, maybe God's calling you, somebody's on your heart, somebody's on your mind, and, and to begin to be the encourager you need to be for him or her, perhaps you just need to come and, and pray for that person. Call that person out by name here in front of God, in front of the congregation, and, and, and ask the Lord to bless that person, to restore that person, whatever the need that's in his or her life, perhaps that's where it starts. You're just coming to pray for him or her, or right there where you stand, or taking this home with you and being in prayer. But the challenge is, let's let's put legs and feet on our prayers and a voice to our prayers and reach out to the others around us and be the encourager that God wants us to be. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Father, that each and every one of us have had encouragement and great encouragers in our life. But I pray right now, Father, that you you would challenge us to be the encouragers you want us to be. God, be honored and glorified by what we decide to do with your word. I pray and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together a hymn.